everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and here we are again at this time of the year. Happy holidays. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to anyone who celebrated. Uh, we had a pretty nice Thanksgiving. Uh, we're definitely missing some family, but uh, it was a good time. Had a chance to uh, watch a, b- a bunch of movies and shows. That's been my goal for the uh, this last bit of the year is to try and catch up on all of the content that's come out, which honestly kind of frustrates me sometimes because I wish that I could relax, but there's just so many things that I want to see and watch. And uh, these providers just keep pumping it out, so I have to, you know, take those moments where I can and, and try and watch some stuff. So, um, this episode we are going to be talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Um, very excited to talk about this. This was a fun one. I just watched it a little bit ago, so you're going to be getting my live reaction. Uh, watched it one time, uh, and then there's uh, one other thing that I wanted to talk about at the end that you know kind of sparked some conversation the uh, the other day actually around some comments. And I know I, I try not to perpetuate this stuff, but I think it's an important conversation to have around some some things that I guess Quentin Tarantino said, uh, and I won't dive too deep into it, but. Uh, we will start with the Guardian special. So again, premiered today uh, on Disney Plus, and full spoilers for the episode. There isn't a actually. I, I was about to say there isn't a ton of spoilers in this show, but there actually is. There's there's some really cool things that I was not expecting that uh, happened in this that I was actually really pleased with. Um, obviously, too, as you all are aware, with my. Um, call it i guess you could say my uh, my way of appreciating the guardians of the galaxy films uh the issues that i have with those movies uh which are personal issues i i, I think they're things that a lot of other people don't have a problem with such as just the um not necessarily the, the directing style but james gunn I, I love james gunn but he has a very specific style of filmmaking uh, that's very apparent in all of his works, whether it's Guardians of the Galaxy, Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, uh, Burn, Br- Bright Burn. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of what else I've seen of his. But um, he's just got, to me, and it's funny because, you know, from his interviews too, he he feels like a kind of grunge guy. Like he's the sort of guy that I'm sure, and I think he's probably said this. I know he said he, he tore up comics in, in his day in terms of reading them. He loved he said like x-force and and that sort of thing um but he loves uh music and so one of the big things uh that i think influences him when he makes these movies and and um pieces is you know what kind of soundtrack can we get on there how can we get some music on there and i love that i love when a artist infuses their personality into the films uh reminds me a lot of edgar wright as you know, you know his movies have that very sharp editing. The soundtracks are always on point, uh, and James Gunn's no no different. I mean, you know, I loved it was one of my favorite parts of the first Guardians movie was the soundtrack. But you know, I've gotten to this point now where it, it's like I I can kind of predict what a James Gunn piece is going to look like at this point, and uh, it's kind of like you know ordering a meal. 
where you know the meal is going to be good regardless. Like, I'm going to enjoy it. You think about it in the vein of Thanksgiving, right? You know, you've got the big Thanksgiving meal. You know that it's going to be delicious. But there are always going to be a few things that you don't like on the menu, right? Cranberry sauce, for one, I think we can all agree on. Um, You know, there's a couple of other things too, right? But there's just, there's certain things based on your taste that you don't like. And there's just something about the... um, it's it's this sort of uh you know hipster type almost and it's not emo but it's like a hipster type thing that he does in his movies where the characters are kind of flippant and the music is always like alternative music and again he didn't really do that he spread his wings a little bit in the guardians movies but it really felt like that in this holiday special and so i kind of i'm gonna just get that out of the way that way we can talk about all the things that i loved about this special but there's just a couple of those james gunnisms that i were on full display in this special that are things that i cringed at from the first two guardians movies and i cringed at while watching this things such as uh the opening of this um of this, and we'll kind of we'll see how much of this I remember. But the, again, we'll talk about all the things I love too. So this the special opens on an animation of Peter Quill and Kraglin trying to make a little Christmas tree, some presents, celebrating. Uh, and Yondu comes in and wrecks it, and he's like, "No, you know the Ravagers, we earn." our our keep basically we don't give like you don't just get a present which i thought was interesting i was like okay that's you know really you know interesting for peter to have to experience that sort of thing as a young kid and uh and that was cool to see in animation i was like wow like that's how you start off a a special like this especially when it's going at um you know it's a 44 minute runtime which means it's probably less than 40 minutes with uh, credits and all of that um, but I liked that. And so from there, it opens up to them, the, the Guardians on Nowhere. And you've seen the, you know, this is in the trailers. But we get our first Easter egg that I need. And these are questions that I had throughout here. But this is the first one was Nebula mentions that they bought Nowhere from the Collector. So the Guardians or Yondu did it. You know, she doesn't, she either says Yondu or she says they um, and I'm assuming that would mean Yondu, they bought Nowhere from the Collector. When did that happen? Was that, couldn't have been before Infinity War because the Collector was there. It had to have been afterwards, and I guess it has been, I'd say it's been five years, but the Guardians were in shambles during that five years. So that's something that I'm very excited to see how they uh, continue continue that in the Guardians film, this new one coming out next year, because that was curious. I was just like, oh, I love that idea, though. I love the idea that the Guardians own this place that they you know went to for the first time in that first movie uh but i need some answers there's some things there for sure and so you know within that conversation craglin's talking about you know we want to just do something nice for peter because he's dealing with the loss of gamora and again if this is in the correct timeline gamora still is there she probably ran off at this point and disappeared uh because we do apparently i think see her in the trailer for the movie so this must be that in-between period where um he's just very lonely and you kind of see that but this was kind of one of my first issues with the film and i or this special presentation and i can't give it too much uh, guff because you know this is just the way that it was this special is not it, it kind of is a guardians of the galaxy special but if anything it's a drax and mantis special and that's fine uh but i you know i was a little bummed when the characters like nebula uh groot rocket 
um, Peter. They all have very few lines, and and the, a lot of the pieces that they had were really good. There's there's an amazing interaction I loved between uh, Rocket and Cosmo, the new uh, the dog, uh, which was awesome. Reminded me just of you know him in the comics. I think it might be a her. Uh, I think it was well, yeah, it was. Uh, is it Maria Bakalova who's doing the voice? Uh, she was awesome. I loved that, and um, you know chasing her treats and all of that, but. There's just, you know, there's so many moments, and I guess maybe that's because I do have some pieces of me that like Guardians, where I was thinking, man, I wish we could have seen more of Rocket, or I wish we could have seen more of Peter, believe it or not, after that Thor uh, showing. Uh, I wasn't as big a fan of the Guardians after watching Thor Love and Thunder, so um, this kind of put them back in my good graces, but even that, it felt like a lot of the moments where we got to see the characters other than Drax and Mantis uh, were punchlines, and they were jokes. Some of those jokes hit, some of them did not hit. And we get to this first one that was kind of a, a bigger one that was more of an eye roll for me, which was this opening song. Uh, there's some aliens, or I guess people from the Ravagers crew, that found musical instruments and have crafted a song about Christmas, knowing nothing about Christmas. And it goes exactly as you would expect from any other movie, um, which to me, again, I, I thought to myself, James, you've got to be a little better than this. But at the same time, this is a very James Gunn thing to do. He does this in all of his movies. The idea of a person, or in this case, an alien, who doesn't know anything about a specific custom or thing. And then there's another character, typically the main character, or part of that squad, who has to act annoyed uh, that they don't know and has to constantly correct them and it's used for comedic purposes and to me it's not funny at all and again it doesn't take away from the film but I just kept going oh great you know as as this alien guy is singing this song getting everything wrong of course right you know oh Santa has superpowers all this stuff which again in the comics Santa was a mutant so I liked that piece of it but to have him sing a bit he would sing a chorus line and then Peter would say something like nope no that's wrong Ah, no, ah, the Lord, the Lord doesn't really, that's not how the Lord works. And to me, that just is, I don't know, to me, that's like, I don't need that in a, in a film. To me, I don't know why I'm still wrapping my head around it as I speak, but there's just something about those types of interactions that bugs me. To me, it's like wasted screen time. Like, we get it, the aliens are, they don't know anything about Christmas. Like, you didn't need to have a whole song that we have to sit through with Peter saying, nope, 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 looking upset the whole time. But after that, uh, things kind of pick up a little bit, uh, Drax and Mantis. Well, actually, things pick up quite a bit, because at this point, we find out, and this is the biggest spoiler of all in here, is that Mantis is Peter's sister. Now, that's something that I think uh, an astute viewer maybe could have guessed, right? Mantis was traveling around with Peter's father for quite a while, and... Um, you know, you could have, I guess, tried to guess it, but not in my wildest dreams did I guess it. So when she said that, I was very surprised and really excited. So that's my second question of this, of things that we need answered, is um, <clears throat> I need more family drama with, with Peter and Mantis. We get a great moment at the end uh, where they kind of reconcile that, but it's more of just a, hey, that's this is awesome. But I would like a little more of that, you know, is obviously she has a different mom, but uh, I just love to see like a hey sis or what's up bro sort of thing. I don't know. There's a piece of me too, and this is what's funny. And again, I've I've mentioned this on prior episodes. Uh, the Guardians are very hit and miss with me, and Drax is the worst of that. Drax is very miss. There's very few things that he does that I like because again, I don't like the 
trope of the big muscled guy who's dumb and is used just for comedic purposes and he was in this special for most of it and so a lot of the things that Drax did did not hit with me either uh, there's a couple bits of his that were kind of funny uh, especially when they got to earth and um, they're posing in the place where everyone was wearing costumes and someone said that he was god the god of war uh, or god of war from uh, Kratos which I thought was awesome I'm like you know what Drax does look like that and I'm sure I know people have commented about that before too uh, but when it comes to Mantis Mantis as well from volume two uh, I was not a huge fan of her I loved Palm I thought that the performance was cool in a sense like for her character but again she was very she was relegated to being the uh, dumb side character of oh she doesn't know anything about what's going on no one treats her seriously and so that had made me not really like Mantis either, but I loved Palm. So I was like, oh, like, I hope maybe we get something. And that to me was my biggest Christmas present from this Guardian special was I loved Mantis. <laughs> I have a newfound uh, appreciation for her. I had told some people, I said, you know, hey, that's, that is what happens when you devote a little extra time to these characters and, and give them actual writing, uh, good writing for their character. Yeah, she was silly at some points in this, but she was also really heartfelt and uh even to the point where at the end when she gets the the little elf back for drax i thought was great that was a great little present um but yeah so i loved mantis i thought she was great and uh, honestly i i kind of liked peter too to th coming back to him there was a couple of moments where he was very solemn and serious in this and i thought that was a really good performance um minus again that that musical number at the beginning but so Drax and Mantis decide they're going to make a, a Christmas to remember for Peter, and they go to Earth to kidnap Kevin Bacon, uh, because obviously Peter Quill loves Kevin Bacon. This whole premise I thought was great. <laughs> I loved this, uh, but at the same time, it was really messed up. So uh, there's, I put it down, I wrote it down as so bad, but so good, because I kept, and it, and it really hit um, as they got to this club which uh, I don't know if this was a um, like a gay bar. Uh, they had some flags out front, but I thought what a positive representation of that too with all of the horrible things that have been happening, um, especially here in, in, in Colorado Springs and in, in my state with just the... Just all of these people who don't understand that everyone's just trying to live their life and have fun and be happy and love who they love. And uh, some people don't like that. They they are so unhappy with their own lives <laughs> that they feel the need to uh, ruin other people's lives in, in the worst, absolute worst ways. And so if that's true, again, I didn't Google the name of the bar there, but if that was, I thought that what an awesome addition that was too. Um, for them to go to this bar and they're you know having drinks and, and Mantis is dancing, Drax won't dance. Uh, but he's drinking quite a bit. They're having a lot of fun. There's some great gag moments in there too from the both of them that I really liked. Uh, and they made a bunch of money from their photos. So they, uh, they're getting to, you know, buy drinks. But by the end of it, they're like, oh, you know, we, we still don't even know where Kevin Bacon's house is. And this lady's like, you want to buy a star map, basically? And, you know, Mantis is like, oh, I don't have any money. And so then she touches the lady and says, you'll give it to me for free. And then she says, you'll give me all of your money. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, oh. And I didn't know how to feel about this. I don't know if any of you watching kind of felt the same way. I felt a little icky watching them for the rest of the film. So I've got a list here. They stole money. They break, in, they break and enter into the place. Uh, Drax throws Mantis over the fence, and then he jumps over the fence, which was totally badass. But then we find out, too, that Mantis is actually pretty powerful, too. They break into Kevin Bacon's house. 
and chase him around the house. Mantis looked like uh, like something from The Conjuring, uh, jumping around and making like hissing noises, like she, literally like she was a demon, which was uh, really cool. But at the same time, kind of scary. I'm like, okay, I'm on Kevin Bacon's side at this point. Like, please don't abduct him. And then they do, but they do by kind of, uh, she manipulates his feelings so that he is not freaking out, which was also a problem. But then he called the police, police come and they're both assaulting police officers. She's, you know, beating them up. Uh, they're shooting at Drax and Drax is laughing because they tickle. Drax flips a car. I'm just thinking to myself, this is not good PR for the guardians. Like this is just, they, they got away with so many crimes in the span of one night. I was just, I was shocked. And, um, yeah, so that part was crazy. And when they get back, uh, Peter is obviously surprised, but at the same time we get the classic, Oh, why did you kidnap Kevin Bacon? Uh, which was, you know, funny. And we get a we get a great song at the end. I actually really liked the song that Kevin Bacon sang. Um, it was, uh, honestly, and, and felt very James Gunny in the sense that it made you think. And that whole opening about being a kid, and everyone's taking care of you. And as you grow older, that's not how it is anymore. It was just being around the holidays. It hit me that way again. I was not able to spend Thanksgiving with my entire family this year. And so just that that period of when you're transitioning into adulthood and you're missing those halcyon days of Christmas uh, really hit me when I was listening to that song. So I liked that song a lot. I thought that was really fun. Uh, we got a great bit with Craglin as well when they're about to take Kevin home and his phone rings and his, he's like, how do you even get reception out here? And Craglin says, yeah, we got a, we got a couple satellites out front that get signal for about 4 million light years. I cracked up at that. Like, of course, uh, they would have some satellite that would get that all. Uh, and so by the end of it, you know, everyone's giving each other presents, which was great. And one of those presents, which is my third question, is Nebula got Rocket <laughs> Bucky's arm, uh, which I don't, I have no idea how that is even possible. Bucky had his arm in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, never made any mention of it. So did Nebula come back to the place? I don't even think Nebula's interacted with Bucky. So I need answers for that. Hopefully that gets answered in Guardians. Otherwise, that's a very big lingering plot hole. But the gag of it was great because Rocket did say that he'd get that arm, and he certainly did. Group getting a Game Boy was awesome. Um, and then at the very end, we get, honestly, I think this might have been my favorite part of the whole thing, which was Mantis admitting to Peter that she was her, her, his sister. Uh, there was a part of me that was thinking that they were not going to be doing that. Uh, but they did. And so he says to her, that's the best Christmas gift of all. And that hit my heart. That made me feel so good. I It it, it turned it into, in, in just the same way as with the uh, uh, Werewolf by Night, this is going to be a classic Christmas bit to watch uh, each year. And I love that. Um, did I like it as much as Werewolf by Night? No, no, not at all. But uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was great. Uh, like I said, there's a couple of bits, and, and it was funny too because I saw the the track listing of all the songs, uh, and and again, it really was a James Gunn soundtrack. It was I made a note here. It's an alternative Christmas, <laughs> like every song. Oh, uh, is this your typical Christmas song? Now nah, we're gonna have the Smashing Pumpkins sing it. We're gonna have the Wombats sing it. And I just I enjoy those bands, but in the holidays, I have no desire to hear alternative music. So um, that part just again, like I said, there's just a, a piece of James Gunn 
that I'm not a huge fan of. I, I certainly respect it. And again, I, I see what he's doing and I like that. It's just not for me. And so again, it's like it's like Thanksgiving, right? There's just certain things, certain bits of food that you're not a fan of, but you're still going to eat the meal. You're still going to enjoy it. You're still going to have a great time while you're there. Uh, and so yeah, nothing in this, despite the same complaints I've had from the other Guardians films, nothing in this took me away from it. Nothing made me go, oh great, here we go again. Even though I was feeling that at certain moments, um, I, I enjoyed it overall. So um, holiday special, great. It's a classic. It's going to be in there. Um, does it make it anywhere on my list this year? No, no. But again, it's going to be on that Christmas list each and every year. So um, check it out. Like I said, it's on Disney Plus. It's super short. Um, so the next thing that I wanted to talk about was this Quentin Tarantino um, comment, which again is is sort of silly. And I know part of me doesn't even want to talk about it because it's one of those things, right? The more you talk about it, the more you're just giving air to the situation. And uh, and I think Simu Liu already kind of commented on it. But um, this is what he said, and this is what I wanted to talk about because um, uh, one of our uh, prior guests, actually, who is uh, Paul Herman from the Comic Binge who and uh, MCU Fan Show Plus... Um, had a, he was kind of talking about this the other day on Twitter and some of the things that he said kind of sparked something in my head. And so I wanted to talk about this because again, we hear this all the time, right? Martin Scorsese has made a comment about something or other. Steven Spielberg has made a comment about it. And so of course, Quentin's going to get in there and make a comment too. But what I think his opens up is more dialogue around the future of Hollywood because I think there are a lot of people in Hollywood right now, actors, directors, people behind the scenes, uh, they're reckoning with something right now. There's a shift in Hollywood, and we can see it. I've talked about it before in prior episodes with the the more people going to streaming, right? Less people going to the movies. Certain movies are bringing people out, right? Top Gun brought people out. Black Panther is currently bringing people out, but you have a lot of indie movies that aren't doing so well. And so um, there's a, a piece here, and I'm just pulling this, this is straight from Variety. So this is a Variety article, and it starts with this, which is interesting. So Jennifer Aniston... Uh, made headlines at the start of November when she declared there are no more movie stars. It's a statement that Quentin Tarantino agrees with. As evidenced by the director's recent interview, he attributed the loss of movie stars to the marvelization of Hollywood. Wait, he's saying that Hollywood is becoming more marvelous? Uh, interesting, and we'll talk about that. So, he says, part of the marvelization of Hollywood is you have all these actors who have become famous playing these characters. But they're not movie stars, right? Captain America is the star, or Thor is the star. I mean, I'm not the first person to say that. I think it's been said a zillion times. I don't, I'm not going to do his impression, but but it's like, you know, it's the franchise characters that become a star. And for Tarantino, Captain America is the star, not Chris Evans. I'm not even putting them down, frankly, to tell you the truth, he said. But the that is one of the, the legacy of the marvelization of Hollywood movies. He says, look, I used to collect Marvel comics like crazy when I was a kid. There's an aspect that if these movies were coming out when I was in my 20s, I would totally be happy and totally love them. I mean, I wouldn't be the only, it wouldn't be, they wouldn't be the only movies being made. They would be those movies amongst other movies. But you know, I'm almost 60. So yeah, I'm not quite as excited about them. My only axe to grind them is they're only making things that seem to be, they're the only things that seem to be made. 
and they're the only things that seem to generate any kind of excitement amongst a fan base, or even for the studio making them. That's what they're excited about. And so it's just the fact that they are an entire representation of this era of movies right now. There's not really much room for anything else. That's not my, that's my problem. So when he says this, I see, and this is what I think some other people have seen too, is another old hat in Hollywood who is yearning for the days of old, right? Those days where they, you know, you had the movie star, right? Like think of Sunset Boulevard. We actually had an episode on Sunset Boulevard, right? That this idea of the star. And it's so funny because these same people have been complaining for years, right? This is this is like the a societal war between the everyman and the movie star, right? Everyone outside of Hollywood kind of hates Hollywood. And and obviously, you know, like I love Hollywood. There's a lot of people that love Hollywood. But when you think about it, right, think about all the other jobs that are out there. Dentists, janitors, um, you know, maintenance workers, uh, people who work at car factories, insurance, uh, anything, right? Are there insurance stars? Are there janitorial stars? There are sports stars, right? And they get paid millions and millions of dollars. There are movie stars and they get paid millions and millions of dollars. And uh, there are uh, people that just do day-to-day that work at, you know, Target or they work at uh, fast food or the service industry. And where's their million dollars, right? They're doing work that may be equally equally as hard as acting. Again, I don't know. I'm not an actor. I did take some acting classes and it's it's not easy, uh, but I, I imagine just like with any other job, if you're really passionate about it and you have a knack for it, you're going to be really good at it. And so if you're really good at one thing and you're only making a little bit of money and you're really good at another thing or you had uh, some in, right, some person who is a uh, movie star, think of a uh, great example, um, what's his face, the guy from Ant-Man, um, gosh, uh, his, fa- his father uh, who's oh man and he was like a hundred years old ant man um cast i'm so sorry i always for uh, michael douglas right okay so michael douglas the son of kurt douglas uh two famous movie stars right you know that there's a little bit of nepotism there right you know following in the footsteps of your father to make millions and millions of dollars uh and there's other people that just aren't lucky enough to do that right or they may be totally happy doing something else and so when I see Steve Spielberg or Martin Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino complaining about the golden age of Hollywood, a time that was very white and male, uh, a time where there were movie stars, that the movie cir- circled around this person, and you watch it today and you go, yeah, that's not really that good of a movie, but you know that person looked beautiful, right? And, and it, it's just... The, the landscape of Hollywood is evolving, and it's this is, this is age-old questions, right? This is, doesn't matter what industry you're in, whether it is, um, you know, whatever industry you're working in. The older generations are going to yearn for those better days. I just got done watching an episode of Night Gallery, uh, if any of you have uh, ever watched that show, it's an amazing show, uh, called They're Tearing Down Tim Riley's Bar. And same exact situation there. It's about a man who yearns for those good old days back when he got to hang in this bar uh, where his dad was before his dad died, where his wife was before his wife died. People are always yearning for what was, right? That's And this is, this is a message, and it's actually I'm glad I am talking about it on this one because this is a message that hits the hardest around the holidays. 
because that is the ultimate nostalgia trip is thanksgiving and christmas those two holidays people love them so much not just because you get to spend time with family but because of all of the memories all of the traditions that you're perpetuating each and every year and you go ah you know ah, i just love doing this right it reminds me of when i was a kid and that's why, right? It's that nostalgia of those easier days, the times in the past where, uh, again, it probably wasn't easier. You just don't remember those portions. You only remember the good bits. And that's how these guys remember Hollywood is that day and the age of the movie star, uh, that golden age of Hollywood where uh, you had to know somebody to get in. Uh, your skin had to be a certain color. Otherwise, you were relegated to the background. Uh, but hey, that was a good time. And you know, my argument to this and the, the reason I bring this up is, uh, and you can see this on Twitter, I haven't deleted the comments, but I replied to Paul. Paul had these comments um, and he, he was saying in, in a bit of it that he's, Quentin's a little bit right, a little bit wrong. And I, I totally agree with that. I think it's okay to wish for the way that things were. Again, if you're wishing for those sorts of things though, right? Like, oh, I wish it was, I wish it was back in, you know, before the Civil War, right? Yeah, probably shouldn't be wishing for that sort of stuff, but you have the right to do that. You can wish for whatever you want, right? Just don't, maybe don't share that with anybody. But in this case, Quentin's, he's, and he's right too, in the sense that there are no more movie stars. You still have them, right? You got, you got your Brad Pitts, and now you've got, you've got your up-and-comers. You've got your Jonathan Majors. I saw him in eight different commercials, or eight different trailers. Last time he's in what? Devotion, Creed, uh, Ant-Man, just crazy. And, uh, but what I think is, this is the future of Hollywood. You can, and, and look at, look at what happened with like Bullet Train, for example. That was a very star heavy film. It did well. Certainly didn't do as well as some of these other, these Marvel films, Top Gun type films. And again, you could argue with that. Tom Cruise was the draw, but those planes were also the draw. And, and going to see it on a big screen was also the draw. There's certain pieces that are evolving in Hollywood right now. And the old guard is not a fan of it because guess what? Just like every other industry, things are flattening. The hierarchy is flattening. And you see that everywhere, right? That's, you know, I, I talk about that at where it's part of my job is talking about that flattening of hierarchy at work and the importance of everyone being treated equally, right? doesn't matter if you're a CEO all the way down to a frontline worker. Your opinion matters. Uh, you should be able to come to work every day and have a great day. Uh, those things are equal to everyone. You should have the same opportunities as everyone else. And Hollywood, much like a lot of industries, is slowly breaking down those barriers. I think corporate, corporate, or yeah, I guess you say corporate America, um, has has gone quicker, right? Because they're a little more obvious when they do something wrong. When we find out, oh, the CEO has been making X amount of money and no one else is getting it, they're quick to course correct because um, you know people will stop buying their product. But when you think about it with Hollywood, we have accepted this idea for so long that oh this person should make way more money because they're a star because they have this prestige about them which uh gosh and i don't remember what uh it, oh yeah this is from that's from the uh, operation varsity blues documentary on netflix there's a guy there that talks about the ranking of colleges and how every year the colleges get ranked and all those ivy leagues always end up at the top but it is all prestige prestige being this french word that means it's made up it's something that's used to wow people that doesn't exist it's fairy dust it's a woozy it's a what's it's it's a fugazi uh to quote wolf of wall street 
And that is how Hollywood has been, right? We literally get stars in our eyes when we see uh, Brad Pitt or uh, Chris Evans or someone like that who is just this amazing star. Um, And now we're starting to see that flatten and to see, oh, just because you're the most handsome person in the room, the most beautiful person in the room, doesn't mean you should get paid a million billion dollars more. doesn't mean that the movie rides on your personal success. In fact, it rides on more than that. Nowadays, we know that the movie rides on plot. It rides on strong writing, on cinematography, on a great director, on the score. And obviously, the Academy has been talking about that for years and years and years. But I think now, with people being able to be at home, they're able to watch more content, they're able to see more things, they're noticing that more. I don't need to go to a movie theater just to see something Brad Pitt is in. I can wait for it to come to streaming, or there may even be something. Look at, take Red Notice, for example, right? Wasn't that, uh, Red Notice was Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and Gal Gadot. Huge movie stars. And you just got to watch it in this, at home. And so to me, I think this is exciting. And this is, this is what I said to Paul. So I said two things first. I said, um, uh, there's a future out there where all of the streamers, you know, Netflix, uh, Hulu, all of them are fully pumping out content with connected stories. Think about that, right? Amazon is pushing rings of power. HBO is working on this Game of Thrones universe. Hulu has uh, stuff. Yeah, Abbott Elementary was great. I don't know if that's exactly Hulu. Disney, you got you got your Marvel universe. You got your Star Wars universe. Uh, Netflix, Stranger Things, anything, right? You you name it. But they're pumping out content with connected stories. And the amount of shows, and I talked about this at the very beginning, right? The amount of content out there is insane. How do you get a movie star to sign up for all of that stuff, right? Oh, I want Brad Pitt to be in my thing. Well, what thing is that? Is it your thing on Paramount Plus or your thing on Apple TV or your thing on Peacock or your thing on Netflix or HBO or Prime or Discovery or Hulu? It can't be done. Again, it the, the world is flattening. The, the world of Hollywood is flattening now, and you can't. It is not a sustainable model to try and get a big movie star for every single role, right? And so I said uh, it's going to allow more fresh faces to, si- to shine through, both at the front of the camera and behind the camera, right? We need more directors. We need more screenwriters because more uh, studios are being created. More streaming places are being created. And now it's the plot. And it's these new faces. It's now almost reversed. I want to see this movie. Uh, think of example. Here's a great example. Look at T. West, who made X and Pearl, which I just recently saw both and loved them. They were great. Um, I liked Pearl a lot better than X. But it's a fresh face director. No, I have no idea who this is. And I'm thinking, you know, look at all these movies I've been talking about for the last year, right? Think of like a big one for me, The Harder They Fall. That movie was so unique, and we're going to get so many more unique voices and unique and fresh ideas to the screen. And we're not just going to get the Quentin Tarantinos and the Steven Spielbergs, because if I had my way, I'd watch The Harder They Fall every day instead of having to watch The Fablemans, a two-and-a-half-hour movie about Steven Spielberg's life. So I'm sorry that the trajectory of the world is moving away from wanting to hear about the plights of the rich and famous and more wanting to hear about sci-fi stories and fantasy stories and things that aren't real because right now the world isn't that great, right? There's a lot of things going on that people aren't a fan of. 
And there's a lot of terrible injustices that are going around. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate your art house film that's talking about this thing. But uh, I'd rather watch something that takes me out of it completely, right? I'd rather watch something that I can escape with. And all the better to escape with a fresh new group of people that you could maybe continue that story going forward if things are successful. And so that's what I had said. So there's a reckoning. And I said, more shows and movies means more actors and directors, which broadens the amount of people making content, allows fresh faces to shine, and that becomes the draw versus some super famous person who's controlled the trajectory of the film, right? Oh, this person doesn't even want to do the movie anymore, so now we can't do it. Um, so that is what I wanted to say. That's kind of the piece that I wanted to say because I think change is really hard for people. And I have been beyond grateful as I, as I reflect on the year of that, that being my job. That's my actual day-to-day -day is helping people navigate change uh, and helping it promote change as well because change is good. If we're not changing, we're dying, right? We're stagnating and things are just going to be the same. Think about, you know, those action movies of the 90s, right? Think about the eight sequels of Friday the 13th that were pretty trash. Um, you know, obviously we can argue about that or you could listen to my Friday the 13th episode. Episode. Um, but beyond that to say, there's a lot more intention now, right? Studios only have a certain amount of money and they don't want to take risks anymore. And in a way, um, at least for now, I think that's interesting because uh, if you're taking a risk on a movie that we know is going to bomb or that we know is going to be bad, yeah, you shouldn't be making that movie. Uh, but if you're taking a risk on something with new, fresh faces, new, fresh ideas, that's the sort of thing that's going to hit. That's going to—that's the thing that is going to catch on. And studios are slowly realizing that. And unfortunately for them, uh, these big-name movie stars are slowly realizing that too, that their work is just as valuable as every other actor and artist out there. And so it's, it's almost a humbling moment for them, which I think they desperately need, that Okay, you don't get to be on a pedestal. No, uh, very few other jobs do that, right? Like going back to that, people in the service industry aren't looking to be put on a pedestal in that same way. And they haven't been. They don't. No one does, right? We don't see people cheering in the streets when they see uh, their favorite service worker walking around, right? Oh my God, that's Becky. Holy crap. She, she sat me down at my table the other day. No one does that, but we do that for actors. Because we see them all the time, right? They're they're famous. They have really big houses, and so I th I think that uh, that lifestyle is flattening out. And I honestly I think that's for the best because excess like that uh, can be dangerous, and and we see that time and time again with the struggles that these stars make. So uh, a little dose of reality I think is probably good for them, uh, and hopefully it's good for all of you too. Hopefully you you uh, um, hopefully this sparked some thought for you, whether you agree with that or not. Um, it's just another perspective. And again, I think having multiple perspectives out there is important um, so that we can move into new and better places, right? Uh, and that's the only way that we can survive is by changing and adapting. So that is where I'm going to wrap things up here. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Hopefully you had a happy holidays as well. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, if I don't talk to you before, uh, happy holidays on the other end of things, though. I will. Don't worry. We've got some good movies coming out. So um, thank you all so much. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Klein. This is Comics and Cinema. Thank you for listening, and we will see you at the movies.